Hump Day. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back with the latest episode of The Winkly, and I am joined here to talk all the news of the past 24 hours with my good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to The Winkly. Looking forward to another fun Winkly Wednesday episode, Nicholas. Yes, very, very, very fun, very informative, uh, very uh, full episode of the Winkly today. So we've got two big interviews for you here later on after we talk about the news of the day. Uh, but before we get to what those are going to be and we talk the news, uh, I wanted to start the show off today by sending out our best to Tracy Smothers, uh, longtime legendary wrestler. Uh, he is currently battling lymphoma cancer. He announced this yesterday on Facebook. Uh, and we just want to send out our best, let uh, Tracy and his family know we're thinking about him right now. Any fond Tracy Smothers memories, Justin? Uh, he, he had his stuff in ECW, correct? That's what I'm thinking of? Yeah, he did ECW Jungle Championship Wrestling. He did GCW as of late. Uh, I've done shows with Tracy. He does fling around that Confederate flag, which I would uh, prefer maybe he doesn't do. Uh, but outside of that, uh, I've never had anybody say anything uh, less than very positive things to to me about Tracy and having worked with Tracy, he was always very nice to me as well. So, uh, what was his, what was his name that WBF gave him? Um, Oh God, that's right. Um, Freddie Joe Floyd. That's right. Freddie Joe Floyd. <laughs> God. Cause you can't go to WWF or WWE <laughs> and keep your name. It's gotta be something. You gotta be something different, right? Even though, well, especially, I mean, especially in, especially in 1995 or 96, whatever that was, yeah, you're definitely changing your name. Come on. Yeah. Not even the Von Erichs got to keep their name. So, you're either changing your name or you're putting polka dots on, Dusty. Or you're going to be some kind of uh, character that you'd find on a Guess Who board, right? You're the janitor. Right. You're the garbage man, right? Um, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, that's where we're going to start the show. We'll move on now uh, to talk about the news here in just a second. But after the news today, we have two more big interviews. These are going to be my final, last, first-run interviews of 2019. I do- oh, wait, I believe that. Wait, I think we might have one show on New Year's Eve, so that may not be right. But I'm still very proud of both of these shows, um, or both of these interviews here. Right after the news, you're first going to get to hear me chat with MLW and AEW's Jimmy Havoc. Uh, Jimmy is, of course, going to be on TV tonight on AEW Dynamite, but you're going to be able to see him every Saturday night on MLW Fusion. And at MLW's final hour on January 11th, he's going to take on Mance Warner in a barbed wire match. Disgusting. Uh, and also, right after Jimmy Havoc here, as a nice follow-up, a nice addition, you're going to get to hear my interview finally running from StarCast 4. It is me. It is my good friend, The Blue Meanie. Uh, I'm really glad this is the last interview I'm airing for a while because Justin and I may have had a couple beers before this interview. And you may, in my voice, hear how comfortable I am with Meanie and how free-flowing this interview is. So I listened back to it yesterday, and I really enjoyed it. So I hope you all enjoy it as well. Uh, And that interview was also done uh, on video form, so that video interview is going to also be available (laughs) over on our YouTube channel as well. You can watch me talk. Dude, it's so good. It's so good. (laughs) Couldn't be me. Couldn't be any worse than me with you with Seamus and the party we did in Brooklyn. I I really genuinely worried for your future in the business after that night, Justin. (laughs) Luckily, I knew Seamus pretty well, so I wasn't too worried, but I was... (laughs) We were so in the throes of what was it? Um, what was the 360 or what? No, what one to sports 120 sports? That's what we did that for, right? Nah, uh, well, we that the thing with Shane was, I think, was just the party. We did, we did the thing with Christian earlier for one. No, for, uh, one. we did it. We did a live stream, I think, with Seamus afterwards too for 120. Uh, that shows you my memory. And oh, I that think one. that's the video where you would maybe had a few and were really excited to chat with Seamus. I forget the context of it, 
But I do remember that the alcohol. <laughs> okay. We'll move along here. Jimmy Havoc, the Blue Meanie, later on in the show. Uh, right now, it is time for news you can use. News that'll leave a bruise, and let's get to it here. Uh, the uh, ratings for Monday Night Raw. Showbuzz Daily reporting that Monday's post-TLC edition of WWE Raw on USA, featuring the fallout from Sunday's TLC with Randy Orton and AJ Styles in the main event, drew an average of 2,053,000 viewers. This is down 4.5% from last week. This is also the lowest non-holiday Raw viewership in the entire history of the show. First hour did 2.204, second 2.099, and then the last hour, 1.858, which is down from 1.995 the week before and is the third lowest third hour viewership of all time, including holiday episodes. So you had opined about this on Twitter, I know, Justin, about how we ended, uh, or what was it, we started 2010 with Bret Hart's arrival back in WWE, did I get that right? Yeah, I was just doing a timeline. It was, you know, a decade ago, you know, this time in 2009, a decade ago, you know, we're ending that decade and they're and they're ending and in the year, ending the decade on the, on the big note of Red Hart's finally returning at WBTV and, you know, for, just to remind folks put it in perspective, you know, that, that that we thought would never happen other than his Hall of Fame appearance, he was still, you know, so Brett shows up, he does 5.6 million viewers on the first Raw 2010, and then we fast forward, you know, fast forward to last year. You know, uh this it was this exact time when the McMahon's all gathered in the ring, got got rid of authority figures, said, we hear you, we're going to change. And now here we are, a year later from that, a decade removed, a decade removed, and Raw's doing, you know, Raw's barely hitting two million. You know, and the roster, the roster, the quality and depth of the WWE roster and the talent they have across the board and all the brands, far and beyond better than what they had in 2009. I mean, go back, other than, other than you know, Taker being a little more regular at some point, Cena, Orton, Triple H, but otherwise, I mean, the, the depth. I mean, they did not have the women doing what they're doing now. The depth and quality is so much better. But yet, we're doing this. It's the the presentation. Something needs to change. They need to stop having Raw three hours every Monday. It just, it just, it's just crazy when you just take a look at the decade in, in, in a whole. Well, and I and I would be remiss if I didn't point out in the ten years since that Bret Hart moment where they did five six. You know, there wasn't subscription services. I don't even think net. I think Netflix. We, I think you still had to mail a DVD in to to do Netflix Netflix ten years ago. Um, very different on that front on the way that people can consume their media now. Um, there's also the WWE network where you could go and watch all the wrestling you want anytime you want. That didn't exist 10 years ago. So I, I think that it's reasonable to, to expect or to, to acknowledge the, the drop a little bit, but still, when you look at where they are from here, from this time last year, it's still a drop. That's only 12 months. And I agree. What, what has really changed about the product in a year and not, not, too terribly much, I w- I don't think. No, not nothing. I mean, other than other than SmackDown being on a different uh, network and different uh, day, uh, which I don't think has helped them. Or you know, um, no, there just hasn't been a lot. You know, they they've stuck to their guns in the last twelve months of not bogging us down with you know authority figures. Um, you know, I guess that's good. I don't know, but and you know, I, it just yeah, there really hasn't been much change at all. But Paige was great. Like, nobody was complaining about Paige running SmackDown. That was not a problem at the time. They had issues. I guess people had issues with Corbin, right, running Raw. But look where he is now. He's basically doing well, the same thing on Well, authority figures, authority figures aside, I think it was the McMahons coming out saying, look, okay, obviously these authority figures are in the show, scripted uh, with power. You know, everybody knows the McMahons are the ones with the real power. So it was kind of like, it was kind of a way to, you know, we're going to get rid of authority figures. It was kind of their way of saying, look, 
we are truly going to you know listen to you and we're going to make some changes and put things into effect quickly now uh, but that just you know now, well, uh, to the to their credit i'll do i'll do a little pro con to their credit right they made that announcement i would say under somewhat of duress because if you remember it was already very buzzy at this point last year that the young bucks and cody and kenny are going to be doing something like by this point last year i definitely knew they were doing a promotion and we had started leaking stuff about what was going on but it wasn't until january 1st that they did the vignette on BTE where they made it public, we're launching AEW. So the McMahons had to have known what was coming on, coming down the pipe, and I think this was their way of trying to brace people for that and to show that we are capable of doing that. And so while we haven't seen it on Raw and SmackDown, I do feel like WWE has used NXT to be that counter. It's weird they made that announcement on, I believe, a Raw, because like the real change in the listening of the fans uh, really, all that's happened down in, down in NXT, which has been the competition they launched against what they made that announcement under duress for back at la- la- earlier or last year at this time. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, there, has, there just hasn't been enough change. There hasn't been enough. It, it, it's still, and I, I still think. Yeah, I think a big root of it is uh, <clears throat> is Raw being three hours. I think. I think you know. Again, you can have some of the best writers in the world. Um, Filling three hours every single week is is just that's just a hard well, task. I think I think immediately if, if they immediately if they if they came out the press release uh, today that said effective immediately starting the next Monday, uh, things will be um, you know two hours moving forward for Raw. I think immediately we would see a, a better show, you know, just just because it'll it'll be it would just be easier to consume. Um, but yeah, they they need some things to change. And and and, and I saw people back to the. 5.6 million 10 years ago to two two million now you know what you said is what other people would chime in on twitter and said and said you know people have cut the cord people change consumption and that is true there is consumption but half the audience didn't cut the cords like that you know i mean it, it, and, and even still so look at you know look at uh you know look at sports nfl nhl all the sports you know there's different ways to consume them now digitally and, and, and what have you and you know their numbers have not rocked uh from the live viewership the way WWE's has. I mean, it, you know, yes, there's some change in there, but there's also a clear cut problem that's that's illustrated there by those numbers. Well, and that's what I'm saying is like the change has happened, but it's happened down in NXT, right? Where it does seem like they have a real connection with that audience. They seem to know what that crowd wants. And I would have to think that like I know that Raw and SmackDown they try to do for like more kids and stuff like that. But I, I got to think that that tone, that attitude is the direction that the business is moving. And if they incorporated more of what they're doing with NXT onto Raw and SmackDown, I, I do genuinely think that would resonate. I think there is a bit of an eye roll and channel click away when people see things like the Lana stuff or King Corbin dousing Roman Reigns and dog food. Uh, and even though I really like it, like the Eric Rowan Cage stuff, I know people are like, this is so 80s, right? So I, I, I get I, – I, I get – where they see they've done something to listen to the fans, I would just like it to go across more of all of the shows and not just focus that kind of change on just one product, which does seem to be resonating with people. It got the biggest reactions Survivor Series weekend for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Same thing we said this time last year. Both to see what changes WWE would enact and see what AEW or, or, or said new promotion would do. Uh, I'll say it now. <laughs> I'm waiting to see what now what 2020 holds. I mean, just this, uh, it, it doesn't, it, there's no, for, for our jobs, while, while uh, viewership may be down for WWE, it, it is not, uh, is not killed any of the excitement or suspense because it feels like we are constantly have things to talk about, whether it's good, bad or, or otherwise. 
Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's talk about some guys we are going to be seeing here, uh, at least for the next several years. Uh, last night on WWE Backstage, our good friend Ryan Satin produced the li- uh, latest Satin Sheet, announcing that all three members of the New Day have negotiated new five-year deals with the company for the same pay and same terms as a way to show solidarity. Now, Kofi had announced on the Feel the Power New Day podcast that he had resigned, but this confirms that the other two are going to be sticking around with him for another five, uh, another five years. It was also reported by Ryan that Angelo, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, the Street Profits, they have also inked new multi-year deals with WWE. Uh, it was not confirmed, but it is believed that they signed for five years, as that's the kind of deals WWE has been looking for most recently with their talent. So, man, New Day, five more years of New Day. <laughs> well, can they keep it together, Justin? Or are we going to hey. you know, I don't know. Uh, hey, if, if anybody could, I mean, these guys, I mean, <laughs> I mean, these guys have been, I mean, this that's an eternity in this, how long they've been uh, <clears throat> together in this day and age, the amount of program, that's an eternity. But they've managed to, you know, uh, reinvent themselves at different times. They've been heel face a couple times. Um, yeah, this is good for all three guys. I think it's pretty cool. They, um, you know, they kind of pulled the 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 the, the, the favored nations and all stayed together. Um, I mean, obviously, this, you'd think this is the last uh, big deal for Kofi. I mean, he's 38. I think Woods and Biggie are, I think, 33 each. So, um, you know, so I mean, and Kofi even at 38, he could still keep going the way he is you know he's just in such phenomenal shape and so athletic so yeah this is good for WWE. this is a they, new day has been um you know they, they've been soldiers you know they've done i mean you know they, they obviously they've you know the amount of bumps they've took and, and and the amount of tv time they've occupied and delivered and of course they're they're, they're one of those guys uh, they're one of those acts just like the miz you know you can send them out and do a lot of media they handle that really well um so this is good good for them it's a good act uh good Good all the way around. Can't, there's nothing I can say negative about uh, about that. And then, you know, with the, the street profits, I, I'm kind of. I mean, I guess that's just a showing of you know we kind of thought it. You know, they were the way they got brought up to Raw and were kind of eased into even wrestling. They were just kind of featured backstage. I mean, this I guess a, a contract already, a new contract already, presumably for you know a handful of years. Like you said, uh, I guess it just just further shows the the investment that WWE looks at these guys as one of the future uh, you know, pieces that they're going to build around. I am uh, very surprised they haven't really followed up with Dawkins and Ford uh, as stronger stronger than they have since they debuted on Raw, because I thought that their debut when they finally came out and wrestled, and there was that night where uh, uh, they re- they danced with the baby, remember, and everybody was gifting it, and everybody was like, this, this felt so great and organic, and then they kind of drifted off, and then the last we saw of them was, uh, well, maybe not the last, but then we saw that SNL Monday after weekend update segment that really just fell flat. I'm I'm just a little surprised that there hasn't been more for these two guys since they made their debuts in ring because I thought it just went so well for them. It was so it was so organic and and it really seemed to resonate. Well, I do agree. The you know yeah the, the main event in that Raw and the big win yeah the dance with the baby that was all big and then yeah the, the night you're referencing uh, never mind the SNL like skit that that fell flat. We for let's not forget earlier that night <laughs> earlier in that episode of Raw. They lost. Oh, yeah. um, was it the Viking Raiders or, or I think it was they, 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 they lost a match. Yeah. And then it was like two hours. That was like hour one. You know, and then all of a sudden an <laughs> hour three, they're they're giddy and doing an SNL comedy bit. I was like, well, what the hell is this? Yeah. You know, I mean, very weird to me. Very weird to me. I don't know. I It's like them. And then like, you know, they get compared to private party a lot. It's like, remember when private party was on AW Dynamite, Justin? Remember that? I, I do remember that. <laughs> Like I know they're on like I guess BTE and like I don't I don't keep up with AEW Dark as much as I probably should because there's just so much wrestling that I have to keep up with. But like yeah, they what happened to those guys? Where'd they go? 
yeah i i mean hmm. it, 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 it's 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 funny because like you know WWE has so much programming and then you wonder like okay is they you know how far how, how far along is it gonna happen until AEW ends up you know having their second show like i'm not saying dark until they have like a second show on tv because it's just gonna they're gonna keep acquiring talent and it's gonna be like well you know I, I don't know there's that there's a delicate balance of well we haven't seen this person on tv for five weeks versus the problem that WWE runs into with raw which is where oh my god we're gonna cram these people on the same show two or three times you know yeah uh well also in some related wwe backstage news on twitter uh the wwe on fox account tweeted out an image of cm punk and stone cold steve austin and the uh the account captured the photo with there are few bigger dream matches in wwe history than cm punk versus stone cold steve austin who would have won if they'd ever locked up punk was tagged in the tweet and it caught his attention enough to send a reply back he replied with a gif from his infamous pipe bomb promo where he waves at the camera Breaking the fourth wall. WM Fox responded uh, in kind with a Robert De Niro gift from the movie Analyze This. And it should be noted that Punk has expressed interest in wrestling Austin in several interviews over the past few years. But, like, these interviews are from, like, a couple years ago now. I, I know that Austin's kind of teased one more match. Punk obviously seems to be, I, I get the vibe, angling for something. Uh, but I don't know. Punk Austin, I mean, it'd be a big WrestleMania match. Um, mm. Kind of caught me off guard that this sprung back up again. It was like the most traffic thing on the site yesterday. Yeah, well, anytime you, I mean, you know, either of those guys who talk about just even, you know, back months ago when Austin had said he felt good enough and he was just trying to say that he felt just a great shape, he felt good enough that he could do a match if, if he wanted to. That obviously got, I mean, myself, myself included, it got, got a lot of people, um, you know, fantasy booking. And he even mentions that in the most recent that most recent sit down with he and Goldberg, you know, he said like, you know, he, everybody starts fantasy booking him and he doesn't want a fantasy book and he's not coming back for a match. Um, I don't know. You, you wonder if, you know, if Steve also, you're like, okay, like, you know, never mind the money. Obviously, you know, money would have to be good too, but you know, what's up, who are the opponents that Austin would want to, you know, Goldberg, John Cena, CM Punk, like what would get him to, you know, because I mean, he, I think he's pretty proud of how, not this, not that he stopped when he did, but he, I think he's proud that, you know, last match rock mania, yeah, you know, it's a good way to go out, looking up the lights, doing the job. Um, you know, it'd, it'd be hard to find something else that could top that, you know, and get him to come out of, of retirement for what's almost been 20 years now. You so. know, here's the thing, Justin. When you brought up the Bret Hart started off this decade on Raw, and the way you described it, where you're like, what a big moment. Nobody thought he'd ever come back. There he was, back in the ring. I feel like you could just as easily replace Bret Hart with CM Punk to start off this decade, first Raw of the year, set this up for mania and start the whole thing back over again. It's weird how it's just weird how time uh, is cyclical, I guess, and how things seem to repeat themselves. And let us not forget, let me just take this a level further. Okay. The whole thing was going. I knew you would. Like so this. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, January 4th, 2010, you have Bret Hart coming back and yeah, so Bret Hart, and then all of a sudden he's standing eye to eye with Shawn Michaels. Right. You know? So, I mean, so if you want to sub, so if you want to substitute that, you have CM Punk standing eye to eye with, you know, Vince or Triple H. Triple H. Gotta be uh, Triple H. Even better because we'll of the Shawn Triple H connection. I love this. Keep going, please. Yes. Simultaneously on January 4th, you have TNA doing their biggest numbers of over 2 million as Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan arrive to start to steer the ship. And I just find it interesting. You know, this this was the biggest competition. That was the biggest competition head to head WWE had had that night on January fourth since you know WCW in, in its better days. And here we are now, getting ready to start this new decade. You need to start off something big, and you got you know AEW right here, right there across from them with 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 all that they have going on. I mean, it just, it just you know it. 
it's just funny that you know 10 years ago you had that biggest uh, opposition with tna that was tna's best night and best time period obviously that drowned out went away once again wb was un- uncontested realistically you know no disrespect to ring of honor or or, or impact but realistically just on 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 you know unopposed um and then and then here we are back again now they have once again they have weekly competition against them that that, that, that is credible and beating them yeah I, dude all very all very good points all very good points um hmm my my wheels are spinning right now um well uh back to uh where we are right now uh, with Monday Night Raw, uh, Wrestling Observer reporting that Raw Executive Director Paul Heyman is reportedly focused on building up wins for certain Raw superstars who are being pushed. A new focus for Heyman is on trying to get them wins built up uh, with an emphasis on their finishing moves. This is why they have been doing more squash matches as of late with superstars such as Eric Rowan and the Viking Raiders. It was noted that the idea is to get over superstar finishing moves and get them wins. Rowan has squashed an enhancement talent with his Iron Claw Slam for several weeks now while protecting his mystery pet cage. Uh, This is just logical, good, a return to form, some consistency here with this, and I think you're going to have some uh, talents warmed up here and and maybe starting off 2020, rolling into Mania a little stronger for a little work uh, like this in details. Yeah, I have no problem with this. Obviously, you can't have... Uh, and I'm including NXT here. Obviously, you can't have all seven hours of your live programming a week uh, be like it was in 19, you know, 89, where it's just you know star doing their signature moves against no name enhancement talent. Um, that, that's just not going to hold. You can't compete that way. But I do think that you can reasonably sprinkle in as it is being as it is being done, like you mentioned, with with some of these talents. Um, which then makes it to where they actually have a competitive match against another credible, you know, talent. It makes that pay-per-view matchup that much better. I mean, one of the big problems in the present, you know, as we talk about the decline in viewership and the decline in, in, in quality presentation with WWE, one of the problems that we've seen and what we always talk about is the 50-50 booking, is, is seeing the same guys work each other three, four, five weeks in a row and just trade back and forth wins. You know, it gets, gets you nowhere. Um so I have no problem going back to, you know, splicing in to say, okay, you know, 25% of the content now is going to be, let's feature these couple of guys and get them some, some wins. I, 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 I don't mind that at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, on that note, uh, speaking of the creative team, PWInsider.com reporting the WWE creative team member, uh, Big Dick Joseph, Krista Joseph has finally returned back to work for WWE. No word yet on which brand De Joseph will be working on. Since this report came out on a Tuesday, I would think Monday. Or it sounds like he was at Raw Monday, but maybe he was there Friday at SmackDown. So, so I don't really know. But it is good to know Chris is uh, back in the fold. And with Vince and Triple H, I don't, you weren't on the show yesterday. We talked about this, but Vince and Triple H reportedly not being at TLC. Um, I don't know if they were at Raw, but definitely becoming more hands-off. Um, I like that they're bringing in more hands like this to work together. I mean, you think about the talent, the firepower they've got in the creative room right now. Uh, if Vince is is legit just going to focus on XFL here for the next few months and and let these guys kind of take the keys to the kingdom a, a bit, not entirely, uh, good. Uh, I'm a big fan of Chris. Yeah, as we talked about before, uh, fan of Chris and and you know, again, just sticking sticking with our um, you know just just sticking with what's what's old is new again. Oh my god, you know, yeah, Krista Joseph, Krista Joseph was there in 2010. He was. <laughs> now he's back. Uh, I mean, I think Pritchard was gone before 2010. I think it was like 08 or 09. He was gone, but now, you know, but Bruce back and Bruce was there for so many years. And, um, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, Shane Helms is 
is there, you know, Jeff Jeremy thought would never be there again. He's, I mean, it's just wild. You know, it's just what, what is old is new again. What comes back around. I should, we should do a retro. We should do a 2010 versus 2020 piece for the site. Like are where 20, 2009 versus 2019, where the business was wrapping up in 2009 versus 2019, because it, it does feels like there's a lot of weird parallels and maybe it's just because our brains are wired to, find connections but it does feel we'll like take a, i mean it, yeah. we could take a look at it i know now we're kind of like spoiling the whole article but it'd be fun uh 2009 i think you know john cena you know performed on every pay-per-view <laughs> 2019 john cena has not had a match on a single pay-per-view yeah but that's true this is the first one that broke a 17-year streak so right he appeared he appeared at mania do and did the, the the rap thing but he has not had a match on a pay-per-view in 2019 i mean that's just just wild hmm. uh well, we have an update here on uh wwe tag team champion kari sane um, PWInsider.com reporting that she has been pulled from the post-Christmas WWE live event tour. No word yet on if Sane will appear at the side of her partner Asuka, but she has been pulled as an in-ring uh, uh, performer. Sane and Asuka were scheduled to defend their titles in a steel cage match against Charlotte and Becky on the 26th at MSG, but that match has been changed. It's now going to be a triple threat cage match between Asuka, Lynch, and Flair. Uh, Sane has been pulled from the ring after possibly suffering a concussion in the women's TLC main event of Sunday's WWE TLC pay-per-view. I don't believe... We've got any official update from WWE about what her health status is at this time, unless I'm missing something, right, uh, Justin? No, I haven't heard. And, and it, did you catch this too? So on Raw on Monday, obviously Asuka had that match, and Asuka came out, and what appeared to be Kyrie Sane came out right next to her just to do the quick pose at the right out right at the top of the ramp, and then yeah, supposedly Kyrie Sane turned around and went back in. Did you catch, you know, Kyrie Sane normally comes out and she's twirling, you know, what it, like an umbrella or whatever it is, she's twirling. Um, we never saw her, like we never actually saw her face or anything, walked out, twirled, and then turned back around and went back to the curtain. And I was just like, was that even Kyrie Sane? Like, do we even know? Is she even like upright and, and there? Like, it was just, it was just funny. There's all the speculation about her, you know, her, her, her status. And then, like, literally, there was just, you could not at all identify that that was her in the entrance. And, and furthermore, I was like, well, why does she even need to come out just to pose for three seconds? If it's Asuka's having a single match, why can't Asuka just come out by herself? It's, it was just very odd. And see, that, that was, I, I meant to go back and rewatch this this morning. And maybe my head was down. I was tweeting or something when Asuka came out. But in the article, it said uh, Kari was by Asuka's side um, on Raw. And I was like, what? I don't remember her no, being No, just, just for three, for five seconds. Five seconds. And again, you couldn't even see her face. And so it was just kind of funny. It's like, she wouldn't even need to come out anyways. It's a singles match. If she's not going to stay out there and be in her corner for the match, why even come out for the five seconds of the intro? It was like it was like Lana walking to the stage of Bobby Lashley in Saudi Arabia, and then she turns back around and leaves. It was like, what's the point? You know, oh, hashtag fake Kyrie, right? We're gonna start a real, gonna start a real wrestling conspiracy here right now. It made it seem like they were forcing to say like, yeah, Kyrie's all fine. Look, she can even do the entrance. And it's like we're, but like we couldn't even prove that it was her. And then again, it's like, well, why would she come out of the situation? Oh man, I just the first thing I am going back and watching right after we are done podcasting. Today. Yeah, pull it up. I've I watched it two or three times, and I was like, I can't see her face at all. Oh my god, I'm definitely checking this out. You have you have my attention. You know, and the other thing in the past 24 hours that came out was there was that fan video of Becky uh, doing the right thing, rolling uh, Kyrie underneath the ring during the match. You catch this video? I did. Okay, I I get it. I, I I get that everybody's rallying around. Be Thank you, Becky, for doing the right thing. Now the flip, right? Now I I will say that if you notice somebody is in a condition where they are unconscious or they are uh, laying on the ground not moving, don't move them. Okay, you go find a doctor, you go find a medic, you say something is wrong, and you have them 
handle that person. Now, I, I the reason for that is, okay, it looks a lot like a concussion, right? It, it, maybe she's even saying that. You don't know, right? She fell down. You don't know about neck issues. You don't know about anything else. And if you roll somebody like that, especially if they're dealing with a neck issue, you will make it much, much worse. And this is Eagle Scout Dick Hasman here just bleeding through. So I understand the good intention of Becky. I understand those cheering her on. But I want to be very clear. If you come across somebody like that, do not roll them. Leave them there. Call 911 or find a local medic that maybe is, I don't know, 10 feet away to come take after that person. Rolling them, not a good idea. Well, um, and, and that's all a good point. And what, furthermore, what I didn't understand about the video and that action is like, what's the point of Becky doing that? Like, like are you, are, Becky, are you making the call to like, we're going to push onto the ring and hope everybody forgets that she's in the match so she doesn't have to compete anymore? Like, like what, just let her, like, I, I just didn't make sense. Like, what, I mean, like, there was no spot that was getting ready to come right in that spot, like right in that physical location. So, I, th- I, I didn't understand exactly what the point of uh, of rolling her in, dude. I, um, I think it's the war. I think it's the foxhole mentality. You get in that position, you got a lot of drilling running, everything's flying around, nobody's coming over to you, giving you advice. You don't know what to do. Okay, I'll take care of this. I'll just I'll hide her. I'll put her under well, the ring. She's completely out of you know, harm's way. Well, you, well, you know what you know, you're saying here, like you know, hey, where's the doctor at, or where, where's the you know what's being said to the referee? Is anything being said to the referee? What, what is Becky? Like, the, the whole the kind of questionable way this whole, that whole uh, magic situation was handled, you know, makes me, you know, we just said triple H and Vince were not at TLC. So it's like, you didn't have that, that top authoritative voice, you know, Heyman's running stuff for raw Pritchard's there doing smack. You know, you have all the different people we've named that are, that are, that are, that are the deputies, but it kind of just, just, it just food for thought. You didn't have that one, you know, because you damn well know if Vince was there, he's giving direct orders from the gorilla to, to do whether it's to the doctor to the referee whatever so i just i thought that was interesting that this this whole questionable situation of how it was handled and, and what what was and wasn't done happened on a night in a main event in a main event uh when neither vince or triple h were there yeah i was i was very unhappy it was i was uncomfortable watching the end of that match and i'm just uh just blown away i mean and like it it paul should have called it probably you know whoever else was working under paul should have called it but the medic is there, and and if the the medic sh- if it doesn't have a monitor should have a monitor. I'm barely qualified as a medic, but I sure as hell know what someone looks like when they're got their bell rung. <laughs> you know, I've been around enough indie pro wrestling. I know the symptoms of it, and that's it: falling over, slow punches, uh, the other talent talking to them, asking them if they're okay. You tell the doctor. You don't take the doing the medicing. Uh, into your own hands and the rolling thing i get it but you can make something much much worse by doing that and i think there was actually an incident in mexico a couple years ago where they didn't backboard somebody correctly and it it became much worse as well so i'd have to go refresh my memory on that but uh there you go uh all right uh wwe backstage interviewer kayla braxton who hosts the bump every wednesday morning is apparently not a fan of the lana rusev lashley storyline during raw she tweeted that she'd be willing to put up her own money not to see lana and lashley together writing i will forgo my paycheck to never see lana and lashley together on television again uh lana (laughs) responded tweeting well you can thank me for making sure you still get paid because we are going to be on your tv forever and ever now lana was on the bump this morning I haven't had a chance to watch her response yet, but uh, Lana, I mean, heat magnet these days, and she's leaning into it. I, 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 part of me is part of me is kind of winning, being won over by the way she's handling this. 
Yeah, living the gimmick. Um, totally. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind it because, quite frankly, I mean, you know, social media is fun. It's you know, we have more, we have more access to the talent than ever, uh, just by the way things are, um, which is you know a lot of times cool. Uh, but but I mean, we've all, of course, can remember the times when that wasn't the case, and you know, guys could be protected, guy, you know, characters could be protected, um, you know. So I, I like Baron Corbin staying in character, being Baron Corbin on social media, or, or Lana following through this. You know, not not just immediately. You know, I, I'm I'm glad we haven't seen Lana in this time. You know, say whatever you want about the storyline, but it's been going on now for months with the problems with her and Rusev and whatever. I'm glad that we haven't seen any social media of her posting with her and Rusev, you know, at Thanksgiving dinner. And like, 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 like I'm glad that she's stuck with it. You know, it's so often we see, you know, two, two talents that are in, they're in the thick of it on a storyline, but they're still, you know, happy to, 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 to tout each other and prop each other up on, on social media and real life photo, whatever. Like, I'm, so, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it. You know what? Just, 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 yeah, like you said, lean into it. Yeah, I, 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 re- I mean, I'm still not, it's still not, like not my favorite thing by far at WWE, and I can absolutely see why uh, it has people divided on it. Um, and I, I do, it's like at the end of the day, it's like these stories traditionally don't end well in real life for the talent, but you know, uh, at least it's different. I'll say that. So, uh, anyway, wrestling belt creator Dan Beltzer who runs Belts by Dan and has made several WWE titles over the years, noted on Twitter that a new U.S. title belt has been delivered to the company, but there's no word yet on what it looks like. He noted back in late November that new SmackDown tag titles have also been made and have been sitting around for six months unused. No word yet on why those belts haven't been used. The titles are currently held by the New Day. Uh, Dan also noted, a lot lot here from Dan, uh, that UK belt producer Leather Rebels is no longer doing title work for WWE after sexual misconduct claims were made against him earlier this year by models he had worked with. Wildcat uh, has been doing the majority of the work for WWE since then. Their website confirms that they did the recent Intercontinental title redesign as well. I, I don't, I mean, okay, a lot of title news there. I like the U.S. and Intercontinental title. I don't like the tag titles. That could be changed. But I don't, I'm not a big fan of the new IC title. It's a little much for me. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the new IC title either. Not it's just not my. I, I, I like I like what they had prior to uh, just so much that I didn't want to see it replaced. Yeah. Uh, also, ta- you know, ta- not talking about replacing here, but definitely erasing here. WWE <laughs> released WWE's top ten uh, debuts featuring the debut of the Shield, and on commentary they edited out Michael Cole mentioning. Dean Ambrose, and there's a side-by-side video you can watch. I believe we even tweeted him out, where you can see that they went out of their way to erase Dean Ambrose. What do you, uh, what do you glean from that, Justin? Nothing. I mean, look. I mean, they they took Chris Jericho out of the signature open that have that there for all the WWE programming. I mean, it's it's it just it's. I guess so. I I think that's fine. Yeah. Promotional stuff, materials. Sure, that stuff should be edited. Take them off the sides of the trucks and all that. But what do, what use does it have trying to change history? Like taking his name well, out, of, you know. They're not. I mean, look, it's not like <laughs> it's not like they've gone on the WWE Network and uh, and um, when the- you go to watch a Shield match, that there's just edited gaps where you only see <laughs> Rollins and Reigns as part of the match. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not. It, I don't. I don't really think much of it. We we again, we've how many people we've seen this with? Where if if you're on the bad list of WWE, or if you're on the competitors list, you know, we're, they're not gonna they're gonna they're gonna try to make people not think about you, and then. Eventually, Chris Jericho will go in the WWE Hall of Fame, and then he'll once again be featured in their forever open. Um, 
well, one day, and this might seem really far off, but one day, you know, Dean Ambrose or, or John Moxley, if he ever returns it over these John Moxley, I don't know. One day he will be, I mean, it, it's just, it's, it, it's just all, again, perspective, you know, I can't tell, you know, uh, it's not a big deal. I don't, I don't really think too much of this stuff. You know, by 2025, I'm sure, you know, it'll be a whole other list of names that are on the, the naughty list to WB and, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, we 2000 will be or 2010 Bret Hart, 2020 CM Punk, 2030 John Moxley. That seems about right. There we go. Okay. Talk Sports reporting that Cody Rhodes or Talk Sports, I'm sure, caught up with Cody. This is our last news item here. I caught up with Cody Rhodes and asked him about two uh, talents right now that uh, appear to be available and uh, whether or not they'd come to AEW. And those talents are Luke Harper and Marty Skrull. So we'll start with Harper here. Here's what Cody said about Harper. He said he would be great as part of AEW. He's a name that when you hear they've asked for the release, you definitely think about that and the next steps for sure. I think he's going to flourish with what he does next. He's very special. That uh, seems like a pretty, pretty hard wink and nudge there, buddy. Yeah. I mean, if you know, all the speculation is okay. What, what does Harper do? What are his options? You know, AEW obviously jumps up there, you know, um, you know, New Japan. I've I've seen people. You know, I, I mean, AEW seems to make a lot of sense just on the on the on the factors of, you know, he he can live wherever he wants. So he can, you know he can be with his family. You know, obviously AEW is a very very pleasant schedule compared to the gr- the grind that WWE is. So I mean, for a guy who has a family, he can, you know, stay here in the states, be with his family, you know, go do TV once a week, you know. And, and probably get paid quite well versus, you know, Japan, you know, they pay real well, but, you know, you're looking at, you know, when you do the tours over there, you're looking at being away from the States and family and all for, you know, weeks, maybe months at a time, depending on what you sign up for. So, I mean, yeah, AEW makes a lot of sense. Jericho's, Jericho, Cody, a lot of people in AEW have been very vocal, even back in their WWE days, about being big Luke Harper fans, and that he's a great guy. So, uh, you got to think they're going to make an offer that's respectable. So, that just by all that logic would say, yeah, AEW seems like that had to be the front-running place for him to eventually end up when he's ready to yeah man and him and moxley together on other sides of the ring great it's very similar intensities i feel uh and uh on marty scroll cody says uh marty's going to do what marty's going to do we all love marty anything he does the next few weeks or months i wouldn't look at as permanent for him he's very much testing the waters here and there and that's pretty much all i can say on Marty. And of course, Marty showed up on NWA uh, Power Into the Fire or something like that last week. So he uh, he's made a surprise appearance. No, wait, that was on Friday. Yeah, that well, was, it was on their it was on their, their pay-per-view. Right. Which was I remember thinking weird because that was the same time Ring of Honor was doing their pay-per-view final battle. And it was like, yeah. hmm. So, uh, yeah, Marty's off the chain. Uh, what do you think Marty Skrull does? I think it's. I, I think he eventually too will be in AEW eventually. But I, I think that's. I think this is a case of you know, like Cody said, let him test the water, see what's out there, see what other, see what other creative things, what other paychecks he can grab. Um, and I think this is also AEW recognizing, as we talk about talent, how much time you have each week. You know, you can't have everybody at once. You know, so like you know, you, you know, Harper or, or probably show up as Brody Lee uh, could show up at AEW in the spring. And that's a big deal. And there's a lot of focus on him there. He's kind of a centerpiece to build around. And then maybe, you know, come August or September, you know, Marty Scrolls. And then, you know, you got to pace it. You don't want to have everybody, you know, coming in at one time and then it gets lost in the shuffle and loses its importance. So uh, I think I think both guys will eventually be under the AEW banner sometime in 2020.
My guest at this time can be seen every Saturday night as part of MLW's Fusion on BN Sports. It is none other than Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Hi, man. No problem. Now, you, Jimmy, first and foremost, I want to ask up front, you work such a physical style. How does your body hold up? What's it like taking the kind of punishment that you take? Um, every day hurts, uh, emotionally and physically. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, no, I'll get used to it really first. Like um, the, the cuts, you know, they heal. Everything heals eventually. It's, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just I prefer it. I, I quite enjoy the pain, you know, in a weird way. Uh, well, I uh, want to talk about the pain that you've been inflicting against Mance Warner recently in MLW. Uh, you guys yeah. have had uh, a nice, uh, you guys have been working a nice amount of time here in MLW. Can you catch up real quickly on what the feud has been like with Mance Warner up till now? Um, yeah, well, we've, we've been fighting for quite a few months now, I think. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's fun working with Mance. Like, he, he hits really, really hard, though, to be fair. Uh, and uh, He can take just as much of a kicking as I can. Uh, so the, the barbed wire match that we've got in January is going to be going to be fun i'm quite looking forward to that yeah, yeah but the barbed wire is my least my least favorite of of all the weapons we use because oh. uh, when that goes in it tears oh. so those cuts take a while to heal oh uh, see i'm glad to hear there's at least some part of this brutality that you don't enjoy as you uh told me that you were enjoying oh no i, I, I said it was my least favorite i didn't say i didn't enjoy it i said uh -oh. it's my least favorite. <laughs> uh well i wanted to chat a little bit about the false cut anywhere match that you guys had um on mlw oh, yeah. I had such a blast watching this match, Jimmy. Uh, talk to me a little <laughs> bit about putting this thing together. Now, it felt like it was reminiscent of the Hollywood backlot brawl between Roddy Piper and Goldust. Were you guys pulling inspiration oh, yeah. from that? Oh, no, no. We just, uh, we just thought we'd have a bit of fun. Like, I live in Orlando, um, not too far from like uh, the venue where we, we do the shows, um, not too far from Full Sail. So we just thought it'd be quite funny just to do it in my apartment. And a, a full sale, and like, um, yeah, I always work with him, and all of that, like, none of that was planned. We we just did all of that. None of it was on the fly, really. Just no, we just saw what happened. Guys, and it, yeah, we, I thought it worked out pretty well. Yeah, you guys took off in cars. You're like driving all around Orlando. How did that happen improvisationally? <laughs> I guess is what I'm wondering. Well, I mean, we knew where we were going. Okay. But, Great. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like the the me, my head down the toilet. That was all. Uh, not planned. I mean, because if I'd have planned, that's a bit weird planning that. Yeah. Well, uh, but yeah, it was just there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad I cleaned my toilet that day. Mm. <laughs> um, well, what's it like working with MLW? Like when you have ideas, like you and Mance get together, like you said, in your apartment, like what's the process like of going to MLW pitching ideas? How is it like working with their management? Um, they're, they're, they're pretty open uh, to, to ideas, which is good. Like same with the AEW who I work for as well. Um, they're all very open to, to us coming up with their own creative and stuff, which is, is fun because like, I feel like it's much better when we're allowed to, to be ourselves and, and allow our, our personalities to shine through on things than being forced like into into doing stuff that we might not, you know, uh, feel like fits our characters or, you know, like we feel like we want to do. I got you. Um, but yeah, so, so it's, it's real fun not working from a W. I've, I've been there for a couple of years now. And um, yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed it. Uh, the the guy who sort of brought me on board with Alex Greenfield, he was one of the writers, but he's left now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always really liked working with him. That's cool. And, like, you know, one of the things I found interesting recently um, is I've had some interesting chats with Joey Janela about deathmatch wrestling. And one of the things that he yeah. said was that he didn't want to be pigeonholed as a deathmatch wrestler. He wants to show he can wrestle as well. Are you seem yeah. to, Are you the same way, or do you want to fully embrace deathmatch wrestling? I feel like that's what you're so known for. Um, here's what I'm known for. I'm, I, I think that the problem is a lot of... Like, I've been wrestling 15 years now. So a lot of my career, like, the stuff that's got the... The, the biggest like reactions I guess is the deathmatch stuff and I don't know because I, I do enjoy doing that and I feel like I'm, I'm good at that 
Um, but then, like, if you see my work in progress, like, I feel like that speaks for itself. In that, it's not just deathmatch stuff. Isn't you know, it's a good story. It's um, it's a lot of you know different sort of styles of matches, uh, and it's it's a lot of like storytelling. Um, and that's that was what my, was my favourite. Okay. And- um, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm 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 happy to do anything. I I, I can wrestle, but like. I, you know, I, I enjoy the deathmatch stuff because I feel I'm going to get it. What was the thing that, that drew you into wanting to do this? Because you've really made it your own. What what drew you to wanting to be doing the deathmatch style? Um, I just used to love it. Um, I used to grow up watching like Foley and uh, uh, like Sabu and like uh, ECW was like my favorite thing mm-hmm. sort of growing up. And then I got really into like CZW uh, and I won Tournament of Death a couple of years ago. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And like, you know, Joey said that he thought the deathmatch wrestling could go mainstream. And that was kind of one of the goals he had earlier on. Oh, absolutely. That, that, that's why I'm glad I signed it because I really want to, to try and get, you know, deathmatch wrestling to have not so much a, a stigma attached to it anymore. Like, you know, you, you can tell a story within it. It's not just guys who can't wrestle hitting each other with, with light tubes. Like, you know, you can tell a story within it. But there, there is, you know, there is some sort of beauty and violence, I, I think, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and so I guess like, what did the what did the Moxley Omega match mean to you, or what did you think of that? Because I feel like oh, it's real cool. Yeah, I, I totally enjoyed watching that. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, I was, I was jealous that I wasn't in it, but <laughs> yeah, like uh, my, my time to shine will come. So yeah, and do you think that do you think that mainstream is ready for deathmatch wrestling to embrace to, to be embraced? Like um, you guys are I, talking I, about? I saw a lot of I saw a lot of hatred towards that match online, yeah. um, but then a lot of praise for it as well. So it's the same as anything do you know what I mean like you're going to get people who love stuff you get people who hate it but I think the thing that we need to not pay attention to really is that you know t- t- Twitter and, and Facebook that's not the entire populace you know and, and what we li- you know especially in wrestling like the most vocal people are always going to be the people who want to shit on something yeah and, uh, and that's the same as anything really like the criticism is always easier to level it will get you know a much bigger response if you're negative about something that will if you're positive about something and that's a uh, that's something I try not to do. I know I've done it before, but like I, I try not to on my Twitter anymore. Like you know, I only put forward like positive things because there's too much negativity in the world these days. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm, I'm hoping that um you know it, it can be embraced uh, okay. a bit more. But you know, only time will tell on that. I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, you brought up earlier how yeah, of course you're working AEW and MLW. How is the balancing act there? Do you have to like let one company know what you're doing in the other? I mean, is there approvals or do they just trust you to carry your brand across both companies? I'm always quite good at carrying my brand, like no matter what I've been doing, um, because my brand is my brand. You know, so like, you know, no one's going to try and walk me down or make me do something that you know I'm not, I don't want to do. Because if I didn't want to do something, I'd just say no myself. But. Um, yeah, at AEW, been calling me working with MLW. I've, I've been doing a couple of indies uh, lately as well, just to because obviously AEW even works once a week, and um, we're not always on those shows. On the weeks I'm not on those shows, I've been trying to do indies as well, just to just you know stop me getting any ring rust or anything. But um, I'm going home to England for Christmas, which should be quite fun. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah. that'll be a nice couple of weeks off. Yeah, I'm sure your body could could use a little rest here. Yeah, uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so how so the schedule? You're enjoying the schedule right now. I mean, what is it like to be in this moment where you do have a bit of freedom to carry the, um, the, what you've got from company I've, to company? I'll be honest, I've not been enjoying it. No. Like, uh, you know, it's been such a weird transition for me going from like wrestling for you know three four times a week, you know, all over the country, all over the world. To be fair, like this year already, I've done Japan twice, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, most of Europe. 
So when I moved to Orlando in like July, it's been the first time I've been sort of based in one place for quite a while. Before I'd only be at home for maybe like two days a week at most. So uh, yeah, so it's weird. It's weird being stuck in one place. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a it's been a hard transition for me, but I'm, I'm getting used to it. I think uh, for the first couple of months I was here, I was I was on my own. Um, but uh, my Kip Sabian uh, and Penelope Ford live with me now. Oh, yeah. uh, so that's nice. That's nice having them uh, around as well. We got a little dog. He's he's cool. He's my buddy. So uh, yes, that's nice. What do you and Kip Sabian do for fun? What's like a hangout night with you and Kip Sabian? Uh, we play Call of Duty. Uh, we can go and watch films. Um, uh, me moving here has actually been good because I don't drink as much as I used to. So that's uh, that's a positive. <laughs> my my liver's thanking me. Now wait. Now you um, br- you brought up the drinking. I gotta ask what what happened with you at the bar during full gear weekend that was like you know uh, one of the buzziest things your on business, the site. Mate. it's none of your business okay uh so don't don't fucking bring that up okay okay uh, no no i'm, I'm joking um it, it, the the report that got put out was uh total uh, totally not what happened at all um i'm not gonna say exactly what happened but the truth is like there was one punch zone uh one sleeper hold uh, and it's not in the order that uh, that the uh, press decided to report it as happening uh that's all i say on the matter Okay, that's fair. Uh, I'm glad to get the story right. I don't want a bad story out there. Um, well, you know, Tony Khan came out because I was in the press scrum. Boys will be boys. Yeah. Pretty much tossed it to the side. So I knew well, there was well, anything. Well, it was. It was. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount that uh, the the dirt sheets decided to run with a story that wasn't actually true. Um, yeah, well, it was fifth century. Um, and then yeah, it, it was it was all sorted out. There was no animosity. We were all drinking. Like it fucking happens. Like. How many times have you been out with your mates and something, do you know what I mean? You get into an argument over nothing. And... So, yeah. But I mean, the, 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 the thing I liked the most about that was the amount of people who wanted me to be fired for it. Um, yeah. Even though, surely they should realise that the boss was at the fucking bar where it happened. Yeah. Uh, so obviously it's not as bad as everyone's making out. Yeah. So. And what's it like? I mean, like, but, what's what was it like for you to be? Because you say that, and it's like you're right. It's like you're in a real world situation where the story gets out, and all of a sudden you got people calling for your job and making all these assumptions and stuff. Like, what's the process like of? I guess just like being inside of that and dealing with some kind of headache like that. Well, it's made me laugh. I spoke to Tony straight away about it, and like, no, no, no one who knows what happened actually cares. Mm-hmm. So anyone who wants to make a deal of it, it's, it's many people who just didn't like me anyway, which uh, is is quite a numerous list of people. To, to, to be fair. So uh, anything, you know, anytime anything like that happens, people always jump on it and uh, you know, call for my head. But it is what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm used. To, I'm used to dealing with that sort of shit now. So yeah. Well, I think if somebody wanted to watch you get stabbed and bleed, they just go on YouTube, right? So I mean, it's not hard to yeah, find. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll get back to MLW here real fast. Now, I noticed from the last tapings that there was the Strong Hearts were there. You're there. MJF is there. Triple A now has yeah. an alliance with MLW. Uh, it feels like there's a lot of synergy between MLW and AEW at the moment. Do, how do you feel that relationship is? Do you see yourself being able to work both promotions, you know, through 2020? Um, I, I have no idea. Uh, if the dates match up, yeah, I can't see why I wouldn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, I, I, I don't really know what Court and Tony's relationship is like, but I can't assume it's a bad one as they're allowing us to work both. So. <laughs> Okay, I just wonder if you'd asked. Um, you know, and with the Triple H, triple... no, here's the thing. I don't care about a lot of things, if I'm totally honest. So any sort of inner workings or anything like that, as long as I get on with everyone, that's all I care about. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if people don't like or get on with or don't get on with other people, I really can't give a shit. That's uh, totally down to them. So, 
Well, uh, sorry, sorry, I sorry, I can't give you any more juicy gossip. But you're not going to get anything out of me. So <laughs> I'm just asking. I, look, I just asked the questions. You can answer however you like, Jimmy. If you want to tell me to go after <laughs> no, myself, I whatever, I don't care. It's fine. Uh, now, with AAA being in bed here with MLW and AEW, though, I mean, how how actively do you keep up with them? Are there any talents down there that you'd maybe like to see yourself working with? Um, uh, I've done uh, the crash in Tijuana a couple of times. That's really cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm quite a big fan of, of Lucha. Yeah, but, but, you know, I love like Phoenix and Pentagon. Obviously, and, like uh, I've really wanted to match. Uh, but I had a tag match with them, uh, me and Zack Sabre Jr. against them too in England a couple of years ago. That was fun. Um, but I'd really like a, a singles with Pentagon at some point. I think it'd be good. And, and Ray as well, to be fair. Yeah, just I need to up my cardio to, to keep up with them. <laughs> Um, well, you know, these are guys that you're sharing a locker room right now at AEW with, with, with Pinta and the, uh, Phoenix. You know, what, what's the morale like right now at AEW and MLW locker rooms? Being a um, part of this? I'll be honest, both locker rooms are, are great. Like, um, I think AEW is the most positive locker room I've ever been a part of. Um, everyone just really wants to make the best product we can. And uh, MLW is fun as well. There's, it feels like there's less pressure in MLW. You know, the shows aren't quite as, as big or whatever, but it's, it's just a lot of fun as well, just because we all just... I feel like most places I work now, there isn't any like bad vibes in any of the locker rooms. So that seems to be a thing in the past for everywhere I work, anyway. Okay. Um, either that, or you know, everyone just hates me and don't talk to me about anything. But you know, it, it could be that. Who knows? You, you sound, you, dude. I think you'd be a little hard on yourself. Like I've, I've never really heard. Oh, mate, I, I used to think I was my own worst critic, and then, uh, then I looked at Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm quite kind to myself, actually. Um, well, screw them, man. Whatever, you know. No, no, I, no, I, I don't. I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> um, like uh, after after 15 years, like I've realised that you know, if people are talking about me, at least they're talking about me. Um, it's want, better than no one caring, you know, caring around. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about somebody who does get a lot of heat on Twitter. Actually, somebody that you've been sharing the AEW and MLW locker room with, and that's MJF. What's it been like watching him? kind of come into his own yeah, here he, he, he wants the heat <laughs> yeah um I've, I've known mjf for a couple of years now we, we had one of his first matches on mrw i think and um yeah but I, I i really get on with him like his twitter makes me laugh a lot <laughs> um, I, I miss when i was like here and i could say all that sort of shit yeah. but yeah I, 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 I don't know how he gets away with all the shit he says <laughs> and uh yeah I, I thoroughly enjoy watching it yeah yeah, and the, you know, just in general, like you know, are there any MLW talents that you'd like to see maybe cross over to AEW? I, I'm very tantalized by the idea of like a Heart Foundation showing up one week. Yeah, or something like, like I'm, I really like uh, Alex Hamstone. I think he's great. I think he's brilliant. Uh, I love Mance. I'm hoping Mance comes over at some point. That'd be great. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, the Heart, the Heart Dynasty are cool as well. Like, uh, but Pillman's like real good. He, he's not been doing it very long, but like he, he's really he's really starting to get it now. Yeah, uh, and I really enjoy watching him. Yeah, yeah, and it's spooky how he looks so much like his dad, right? Yeah, yeah, freak, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. He was on a show here in Chicago. He was at Warrior Wrestling on Friday. Oh, were you there? The other day, Osprey was there, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing, I was doing commentary, and uh, my, oh, cool. My girlfriend was there, and she was like, "He's the prettiest man I've ever seen." And she <laughs> she pointed out his <laughs> his hair is beautiful. His, well, she's like, "Well, the hair is what it is." It was his cheekbones that really got him. And oh, okay. Now right, I, Mom, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll have a better look when I see him next time. See, and Jimmy, that's what I said. I was like, I've never really looked at the man's cheekbones. They're defined. Very defined. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Good podcasting. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> while I've got you, um, of course, you know, you really helped the UK pro wrestling scene get to where it is. It's been a bit of controversy here in the past, you know, year and a half or so about how the changing of the tide, talents leaving and such. What do you think about the current state of the UK pro wrestling scene? Um, uh, it's not as bad as everyone seems to be making out. 
it is on Twitter. Um, I, I think the biggest problem that they had was that like there was like me, Osprey, Zach Sabre Jr., Marty Skull, Pete Dunne, Tyler Bay. All of us all sort of left it around the same time. Yeah. Um, and there weren't really that many younger talent that had been like brought up to to, to a level. Yeah, but uh, uh, Pete guys like uh, Ojmo, uh, Michael Oku, um, he's really great. He, he's doing great in Rev Pro now. Um, yeah, there's quite a few guys in Red Pro that are getting to work. You know, the, the, a lot of the New Japan guys, which is great. Yeah. Um, ICW in Scotland is still doing really well. Like Pro- Progress is still doing great. Um, you know, there is still a lot of good shows. I think it's, there's quite a few promotions that have closed their doors now. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, but you know, there's still shows going on like three, four times a week in England. So I, I can't see where all this Brit versus Dead stuff is coming from. But. Yeah. Well, one guy who's really relocated over there and made a lot of noise is David Starr. What do you think of the work he's doing? Oh, yeah, he makes a lot of noise, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, 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 he does quite a bit. What do you think yeah. of the work he's doing trying to uh, get the uh, pro wrestling business unionized? Um, I, I, I think it's a, it's a great idea. Um, I personally uh, don't think it needs to be done as publicly as we're doing it. But yeah. um, uh, a few of us uh, tried to do this a couple of years ago, um, sign up for like, equity and stuff. Uh, but you know, it's, it's a good thing if, if more eyes get on me and more people understand, you know, the, the, the way the business works, I suppose, in terms of, you know, the, the way, uh, wrestlers are treated, especially like independently, like the, the power is with the promoters a lot mm-hmm. and not with the wrestlers. And I feel like it should be more, more of an equal balance. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, wrestlers should demand, you know, whatever, because they, you know, you still need to understand that promoters need to make money as well from it. It's meant to be a business and everyone's meant to be making money. Um, but I feel like you know there should be a lot more equality between the, in the power uh, between wrestlers and, and promoters for sure. So yeah, it's a good thing. And uh, anything that helps, you know, wrestlers get you know medical coverage or more pay, you know, I think it's a good thing. It's a great thing. Cool. Well, uh, I'd like to get back here uh, as we are in our final minutes uh, and talk a little bit more about MLW's final hour. Uh, it's going to be in Dallas. Yep. I'm from I'm from Texas. That's right. I think oh, cool. I think that it is so cool. The Von Erichs, Ross and Marshall are in MLW. <laughs> Um, what do you think of them, and what's it like having the Von Erichs around? Yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah, they're really nice guys. Um, I haven't really uh, spent much time with them, but, um, uh, but you know, if someone spoke to them, they've been real good. Uh, I think they're still pretty new as well, but they're, they're really finding their feet. And I uh, guess yeah, cool to have them in Dallas. That's, uh, that's going to be exciting. Man, I, yeah, I feel like... But, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that show. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited about that show. they got such a wild style, man. I'd love to see, you know, what it would look like for you to get in there with them. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, on your... And back to you here, you know, you got the barbed wire match with Mance Warner. You say that this is your least favorite uh, of yep. the of the death match items. You, what, what do you think fans can expect between you and Mance here at Final Hour? Uh, probably a lot of blood. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's, it's, it's going to be messy. It's going, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be messy. I'm very much looking forward to it. What? It's been a while since I've bled, so uh, yeah. Do you ever? Oh, bleed, I need that. Do you ever bleed so much that you're just like, this is too much blood. I am bleeding yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah, that, that's happened a couple of times. Uh, my last progress show in May, um, a light tube hit a vein in my head, oh, and it was squirting out of my head. And uh, in the in the ambulance on the way back on the way to the hospital, uh, the doctor said, uh, and roughly how much blood did you lose? And I had to say, well, I'm sorry, I didn't bring a measuring drug with me. If you want to bring out my shirt and my jeans and the canvas, you might find out. But I think it's probably a couple of pints I think I lost. Disgusting. Um, I was right. saying quite, quite, quite lightheaded afterwards. Disgusting. All right, last thing here I wanted to ask you about, Jimmy. Uh, I saw you tweeted about it on Twitter. We have a mutual friend in Marcus Crane. Marcus is... Uh, oh, yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, he's doing the GoFundMe right now. Just wanted to give him a little love here since he's uh, laid up in the hospital. Uh, I don't know if you want to say some kind words about Marcus here. 
uh, like um, I met Marcus in New Orleans the first time I think which really hurt off and every time I've been over he's always been super nice to me like I saw him in Chicago a couple times and like yeah he's always been unnecessarily nice to me and like I feel really bad for him so anything we can do to help help him out with his GoFundMe pay for these bills and stuff like I'd really appreciate it. and I know I know he'd, he'd be very grateful as well very cool uh, Jimmy, thank you so much for the time. I really enjoyed talking with you and catching up. I'm finally, I'm glad we could yeah, finally make it happen. Um, you know, is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview today? No, just follow my Twitter at Jimmy Havoc, my Instagram at Jimmy underscore Havoc. Um, yeah, I'm watching MW, watch AEW. Just keep supporting pro wrestling, no matter where it is. If there's a local show in your area, go to it. It's, uh, you know, that's where the stars of the future are gonna gonna be found at your local shows. So, so keep checking them out. My guess at this time, as we sit here in the darkness, it's like so dark. It's like we're in the dungeon of doom right now. Ooh. Instead of a dark match, it's like a dark interview. Yes, this is Starcast Dark here. It's <laughs> it's Nick Hausman joined here by one of my favorite people in professional wrestling. It's the Blue Meanie. Meanie, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I always I always enjoy you, you know, seeing you. Where we're at StarCast or out and about and stuff like that, man. It's good to be around you and other like-minded people. Now, I got to ask you, you know, first of all, you are so synonymous, of course, with all the comedy stuff in ECW. Not that you didn't also get your, your shit tossed and everything like that. But how do you think AEW has been handling walking that line with comedy and action so far? It's been fine. It's been great. You know, uh, I just took a photo with Orange Cassidy earlier. Because he makes me laugh. He, and, and to be quite honest, I'm qu quite jealous that he could get away with doing that where, you know, a guy like me, I'm like blown up on the lockup. You know, he, he's just like, eh, you know, it's fine. It, it, I mean, wrestling's evolved, you know. We, can, we can't pretend that, you know, something like Orange Cassidy is an abomination when there's been like, wrestling mummies in the in the bit yeah i've seen people i've seen wrestling mummies on the show or the yeti the yeti is here this weekend yes yeah. yeah so let's not act like orange cassidy is something bad you well, know and orange orange does have like faded jeans right and you kind you had like faded jeans but yours were like short short faded jeans yeah. Are you a little jealous, maybe, that Orange was, like, the one to figure out you could wrestle with your hands in your pocket? Because that could have been yours, man. That, and I had to paint on my glasses. That's true. And he gets to gets away with wrestling with his glasses on. You're right. So, here, 20 years I've been painting my face like a raccoon. You know, raccoon glasses on. I could just put on regular glasses. You know? Yeah. I'm envious of the guy. Well, you... Somewhere, yeah. Yeah, he's right over there. I just talked to him. He was talking about how he's, like, roommates with Chuck Taylor. Did you know they live together? I did not. But that should be a reality show. I thought the same thing. Yeah. I had no idea. He said he was a bad roommate. I, I, that's why you need to find a show. You need a show to find out why... It's like a Felix and Oscar thing, the odd couple. All right, now I have to ask, now that I've opened the door open here, uh, who was the best person to room with on the road when you were with uh, or just a pro wrestling? Who's your favorite roommate, road traveler? I, I don't know if it was favor or just amusing was Balls Mahoney. Okay. Just because anything could happen. Okay, now wait, when you, say, when you say anything can happen, like what are some of the anything that could happen? I can see your significant other over here right now. I don't know how much you want to say, but no, no, no. Okay. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, anything from him just air drumming to just you walk in a room and he's just 
He's naked. Is that a common balls balls Mahoney thing? Yeah, I've seen more Mahoney than anybody. Would. And there's some things I won't even repeat in public. But have you watched have you watched him have sex? Have you watched Balls Mahoney have sex, Blue? No, 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 okay. no. Maybe with a bottle of Kraken, but yeah, he, when he drinks it, yeah, he's, or whatever he would drink. But yeah, he, he was the most interesting roommate. Okay. But uh, yeah, that's everything else was compared. It was tame okay. compared to Balls Mahoney. All right. And then I got to follow up. Who was the worst person to room with when you were on the road? I really didn't have like a, a, a worst part person. It just, yeah, just because most of the time when you're rooming somebody on the road, it's like for a couple of hours and then. Well, well, put it this way: if you're rooming with somebody, you're also riding with them, and like if you're willing to ride on the, you know, spend that many hours in the car with somebody, then rooming should be easy. You know, yeah. so I, there was really no one I was like, oh, geez, you know. Now, wait, I'd always heard, now, I've seen you write about this and others from ECW. There was some kind of, like, in Philly, there was, like, a hotel. It was, like, it was, what was it called? The Tower of Sin? Is that right? It, it was called the Cylinder of Sin. And, oh. and it was the travel lodge. And for some reason, it's still standing. And it's very spherical. And uh, they they really needed to put a condom over the entire building. It should It should be condemned or just... That detoxified or bug bombed or whatever. It's like this really tall building, and it's right now so bad that the elevator broke, and so they only rent out the first floor, first four floors of a like a thirty-story building. Is that true? Like, right? like this, there was like a whole newspaper article about it. What? I was, I was like, that's child's play. What? Yeah. You know, one weekend you go in there and you check in your room and you know open up the door and there's a chalk outline. Just you know. Or one weekend there's a kid floating in the pool. Who knows? What? That's crazy, man. All right. Well, uh, let's let's fast forward a little bit here right now. Uh, let's talk about a little bit what AEW is doing at the moment. Yeah. A lot of people talking about what Cody Rhodes did with the Silver Spoon promo on Wednesday night. What do you think of that promo and the way that AEW has really been able to corner the market, I feel like, in a short period of time on the promo game in pro wrestling? Well, it's like what I tell anybody in this business, like starting in the business. See what, like is popular and then just do the opposite like the wwe has this certain way of filming there's certain ways to do promos you're not allowed to look into the camera you know stuff like that you gotta you know talk about somebody but you're talking like they're not there you know goofy stuff he's love you bubba ricky morton oh, Hall ricky, of hey, ricky you want to come in you want to say hi Say hi to my friend. Oh, that's fine. It's Ricky Morton. I love you, I love you too. Thank you. I'll see you around, my friend. He wasn't on camera, but we think I think we all just heard Ricky Morton say he loves you. I've known Ricky before pre-Blue Meanie. Uh, I used to wrestle every Thursday night in Indianapolis, Indiana, for a wrestler named Mike Samples, and it was like in a car garage, car repair garage. But the guy gimmicked it with some like some really cool drywall to where he made separate entrances he had laser lights all this stuff he maybe get like 75 people in there but it felt bigger okay and ricky was always on those shows and all ricky would always take me aside to give me advice oh man so like years later I, i'm in ecw and he comes to ecw and then he goes to wrestle steven richards i'm in the corner he's like you're that kid from indiana i'm yeah. like yeah so 
Yeah, we've, uh, I, well, I've always loved Ricky Morton, but just, uh, I've had some cool in-the-business experiences with Ricky Morton. Are you? Are, do you also think that Ricky Morton has the best Canadian destroyer in professional wrestling today? Yeah, absolutely. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I, I, I can't even. The fact that he's doing that. <laughs> Does it make you upset? I should step up my game. I don't know, man. I'm doing something wrong. I don't know. You got kind of that Dick Johnson type vibe to you. Is that what it was? Big Dick Johnson? Oh, I thought you were talking about the cop. No, no. Uh, officer. Well, who's the, uh, the officer? Oh, uh, was that Cabana's gimmick in, in Jungle? No, JCW? No, no. Uh, heavy set dude, mustache. Oh, Dick Justice. Dick Justice. Yeah. Dude, he was the best. Yeah, he, well, he's on hiatus right now. Yeah, I know. I hope he comes back. I hope he, he sees this video and know that I'm thinking of him. And okay. The wrestling community loves him, but uh, yeah, Dick Justice was the man. Uh, where were we going? I don't know. I don't know where we're going at right now. Should I wrap this up? Should I like? No, I, sh- no, I should. No. I should throw something out there. I feel like right no, now. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just. I'm freelancing here, man. I'm, I'm just calling it in the ring. I'm just calling it in the ring, man. No, it's fine. Well, usually when I do my interviews at home, I have like a whole list of questions, but there's no list here. We can just kind of talk about whatever we want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We. Uh, Oh, we were talking about AW uh, doing promos. Yeah. And the Silver Spoon. The silver, let's go back to the Silver Spoon promo, yeah. Dude, that was amazing. Yeah. It was an amazing promo. And, you know, I mean, he's, it's in his DNA. Yeah. Uh, like, if he couldn't cut a promo, I'd be, like, wondering wh- what happened, you know? like, But he's a Rhodes. He, he should know how to do a promo. But he, he's got, you know, Cody's got a great mind for the business. He, he, I'm sure he learned well from his dad, learned well from his brother, you know, just uh, when I watched it, I legit got goosebumps. I, I, I legit, you know, felt it, you know, that there's some things, you know, there's, you know, if it's done right, you'll feel it, you know, and I definitely felt that. Hopefully it translates into uh, a hell of a pay-per-view this weekend, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I hope that I, I want AEW, I want AEW to do so I want them to do well. Wrestling needs, you know, competition and stuff like that. And just, uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. I, I did want to ask you one more thing. Um, now, there was, of course, the, the crazy Saudi Arabia travel issue that WWE had. What's the craziest, like, have you had anything on par? Like, have you had any insane travel issues or stories in your, in your time in pro wrestling? Nothing as, like crazy as that or the, the <laughs> I've never had a plane ride from hell or just like always it's always some kind of delay and it's so my, my travel issues have been so boring it's just like oh I should have been home at noon I'm here at nine who are we hearing from first of all no, Mrs. Meany's off camera, Meany. Okay. and she's the better part of my brain okay. because you know I don't know where the rest of it went. But uh, yeah, there was a there was a trip. I worked for One PW in England. I, I flew. I was supposed to be fly from uh, England, New York, New York, Philly, right? So the second half got canceled, and I'm like, dude, I'm like two hours. I, this is a drive. I called and. To her credit, she went. Yeah, she, she Miss Mrs. Meany can't drive, so she went and knocked on the neighbor's door. And her, they had like a Thelma and Louise road trip up to New York. 
pouring rain. The, the car went through a puddle. It stalled out, all this stuff. But they got to me, and they drove me home, like, the next morning. I just waited for the flight I was supposed to take to deliver my bag. So, you know, just, you know, stuff like that where the flight gets canceled. and But no calls, like, oh, are you going to be murdered? I'm going to find you in several pieces no. and, like, luggage or anything like no, that. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, I can see her giggling right now. Probably as like she's like giggling because she's like, I'm happy. I've never been put in that situation before. No, no, no. It's always just been mundane fucking delays. And All right. Well, last, last thing, last thing, last thing. I already said last thing twice, but last thing, last, last thing. You, Stevie, and Bucci and Raven, yes. right? Like, what are the odds we see you guys get together here sooner than later and do something together? Dude, I would love to do something. Uh, it's up to them. No, I'm down. I'm game for whatever. Uh, I think the last time we were together was like a couple years ago for WrestlePro in Jersey, and they had a, like a Royal Rumble thing where all of the, all four of us were in the ring for the first time in a couple couple decades or 20 years or whatever. Yeah, I never see you guys together. No, no. I mean, it's one of those rare instances where they, you know, the, the promotion really took advantage of uh, having us all together, and like and like I, and the cool thing was as. We started, like, our entrances, like, right behind each other. Sure. So, like, the crowd started picking up on it. Oh, there's Ray. Oh, there's Nova. There's Steve. And and Bucci came out as Simon Dean first. Oh. Uh, so him. Yeah, so when I came out, he opened up his jacket and had the BWO shirt on underneath. And that, that was pretty cool. I feel bad because I feel sad because I don't think Raven likes me. Why? I worked with him in Corgan's Resistance Pro. Oh, <laughs> you were like, oh. No, no. I, no, I, I was the only other promo guy. And he, oh, buried, he buried me. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, well, I mean, like, he, 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 he's, you know, Raven's like a perfectionist. And, you know, I'm sure, like, I'm sure. I well, pissed him off. I don't know. Uh, 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 I sure. I'm Can sure. I tell you a Raven story real fast? Yes. Okay. So I know Raven didn't like me, right? Which was fine. It's wrestling. You work with people that, you know, and, and I wanted to win Raven over. I'm a big Raven fan, okay? So he was working with the Almighty Sheik at the time, who's now Yosef Samuel in MLW, right? And I was managing the Sheik, who was Yosef Samuel. And Sheik uses the spike. Raven had used the spike. And Sheik went to Raven and was like, how do I use the spike in a very devastating way? And Raven said, I'll show you. And we're in the locker room, and he's like, Piven, which was my name at the time, he said, get over here. And Raven made me sit on my knees in front of him while he took this giant railroad spike and, like, thrust it in my forehead, you know, in a very intimidating fashion. Very safe. I wasn't hurt, but it scared the crap out of me. Does that sound like the Raven you know? No. <laughs> no. About Different Raven experiences. No, like, wait, like... like like Raven used to do the thing that they do in NXT now with the, uh, the the skull sessions, where he would have me sit in the middle of the room, and and he would yell, or I stand in the middle of the room while he sat there, and he would yell out subjects, "Hey, Blue Meanie, do a promo on this or that and that." And that. But like like his critiques were harsh, but like when you listen to his critiques, go, he's right. I know. You know? Yeah. So. Uh, I don't think it ever came from a place of hating you. No, I don't think he liked me. I, I, well, I wasn't there, so I can't say. That's fine. It's okay. You know, different strokes, different strokes. You had a great relationship. I'm jealous of your relationship with Raven. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, uh, Manny, thank you so much for the time. I always enjoy chatting oh, with you. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for our little uh, dark section here. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we're getting-
A little bit of mood lighting. Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news the past 24 hours. Thank you to Jimmy Havoc and MLW for setting that up. Much appreciated. Again, January 11th, it's going to be MLW's final hour. I'm very excited to see Jimmy Havoc take on Man Turner in that barbed wire match. I'm going out of my way for that one. Also, I want to thank Blue Meanie very much for the time. As always, man, let's get together. Let's have some more drinks. Let's talk some more wrestling in 2020. You're one of my favorites. And, of course, thank you to StarCast for allowing me the time uh, to chat with Blue Meanie there. Uh, and thank you all for tuning in here today. We got one more Big Winkly left of the week. Uh, this is going to be uh, tomorrow's show is going to feature me and Justin talking the news the past uh, 24 hours. But we're also going to have two big interviews from our good friend Andy Melnoski. We are not going to have one, but we are going to have both of the legendary Killer Bees, Brian, Br- Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel. And it's not them together. Andy actually got them separately. So we're going to have two separate interviews with the Killer Bees here tomorrow on the show. I'm very excited to bring everybody uh, uh, that one tomorrow. And then, of course, next week, if you come back, we're going to be doing our Best of Winkly 2019 episodes. Uh, all The three regular days we do the show, Tuesday through Thursday next week, I'm going to be airing four of my favorite Winkly interviews from this past year, back to back to back. So 12 total, the 12 Winkly interviews of your Christmas holiday season. I'll be doing a little commentary to tie them together there. And, uh, and I hope you guys tune in and enjoy them. And let me know over on Twitter if there's any interviews that you'd like to hear uh, as included in the top 12 interviews of 2019 for the Winkley. Let me know what you want to hear next week. Uh, and, of course, if you're listening to this show, you're listening to the shows next week or tomorrow, or you're listening to all of our review shows, go over to the Wrestling Inc. audio channel on iTunes. Uh, give us a nice five-star rating, nice comment. All that stuff helps keep us alive on iTunes. Justin, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the show today? Uh, just follow me on social media, at Justin Labar, and I'll talk to everybody tonight after NXT and AEW uh, live on the uh, Wrestling Inc. YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. And I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you all again for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs> <laughs>